Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me via Zoom, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going over there across the across the interstate, Charlie? Oh, man, it's going just great. Another another good day. It's Pink Shirt Tuesday, in case anyone was wondering. I get made fun of a lot for wearing only blue shirts, but I clearly don't only wear blue. It's Is there a little bit of blue on your hat right there? I feel like you got a little bit of blue on that strap that's going on. You know, our friendship <laughs> goes back a long, long way, but you can shut your mouth when you're talking to me. All right, man. Will do. So this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single spanking day of the week, man, except for when we don't want to. Those are the only days when we don't do it. So pretty much every other day, though, we go ahead and and do a new episode talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. So if you are interested in finding ways to solve all of these crazy, terrible problems that are going on in the world... Well, we might just have the prescription, and it's a little bit more than cowbell. It has a lot to do with, oh, I don't know, leaving people alone. Stop giving people power over other people's lives so they can just enrich themselves and screw us all over in the process. You know, things like that. So we just talk about those nice, fine libertarian solutions, free market solutions for all this crazy mess going on. And all this prescription takes is a subscription. Just a subscription. To this podcast, hit that smash that subscribe button right now. We're running that sip and scan code. If you look at your Coke Zero scan, there's a sip and scan there. So just um, just look at that. That's all you have to do is look at it and say, "Look at this," and then you just hit that subscribe button on Spotify. It says follow. So subscribe or follow. Ninety six percent of people who listen to the show hit subscribe. So don't be part of that horror percent. Those lowly people hanging down there who don't who obviously. They are pro-death, and they are against liberty and freedom, so we don't want to be associated with those people. You want to be associated with the 96% of people who care about you living your own life. So that's all I got to say about that. All right, man. Good episode. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Have a good time. time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, and we got to do a little bit of a shorter episode today. And, you know, there's, there's all these riots going on. Some people want to call them protests. A lot of people do, and a lot of people call them riots also, riots and looting, and they're they're good people. They're good people on both sides, and I know a lot of them. But there's something kind of crazy happening. There's a few different crazy things happening, and I, I thought it would be important for us to discuss how we talk about this. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but we're going to have to dive a little bit deeper into it, because as I was writing this article last night, I was writing an article to go along with the podcast episode we did yesterday, which was called Black Lives Matter is Losing Hearts and Minds. And I was writing the article and I was thinking, because I started off with the fact that I agree with a lot of the criminal justice reform, like most of it. I actually agree with like pretty much all the criminal justice reform. Actually, I'd probably go a lot further than, than a lot of people would. So we definitely need to figure out what our common ground is. And I also want to try and help the message and get outside of the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter Inc., as uh, some people would call it, outside of that part of it, because really the message has been lost. They're losing hearts and minds. And 
I decided last night that I didn't like that because I like the criminal justice side of it, but I don't like the destroy capitalism and install brutal communist government side of it. So we do need to make sure that we're drawing some lines between some differences here, like uh, whether or not rioting and looting is a bad thing and whether or not it's actually okay. And you have heard this excuse a bunch of times. Well, they've got insurance. It's fine. We're going to do this until we get what we want. And actually on NPR, they had an interview last week. I think it was on maybe Friday last week, uh, one, one at the end of the week, and basically had someone on there talking about how riding and looting is actually not all that bad, that this is uh, this is a tactic and it's worked in the past and so we got to go through this and it's worth it because of the cause and and all of that and i found a really cool article on fee.org a good website that everyone should go check out go to fee.org and um they're talking about the writing the looting and basically offering the libertarian side or the free market side because charlie i mean don't you think that we should protect we should have value in people's private property do you think that's something to be valued i yeah i i don't know i mean it sounds like that would be a good thing it seems like it would be right yeah but i don't know maybe not so let's go through this fee article debunking npr's bizarre in defense of looting interview from fee on August 27th the public radio station aired an interview with the author of the book in defense of looting Vicky Osterwell, or Wheel, or Weil, Osterweil, on the popular Code Switch podcast and published it on NPR.org. Journalist, journalist Natalie Escobar opened the ostensibly objective interview by dismissively citing handwriting about the ongoing violent unrest, rioting, and looting. The havoc has destroyed thousands of businesses and, le and left at least 15 people dead. In the controversial interview, which quickly went viral, Osterweil attempts to recast property crime as nonviolent and morally good. So this is quoting from Osterweil. She says, when I use the word looting, I mean the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a moment of upheaval or riot, Osterweil says. That's the thing I'm defending. I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. It's not a home invasion either. It's about a certain kind of action that's taken during protests and riots. So she's not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. But she does defend looting. <laughs> yeah, because it's just, you know, no one's there to, to yeah. forcefully take from. So as long as no one's home, that's fine. Yeah, that's as long as deal. no one's in the store or whatever it is, well, that's totally fine. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> so she says, looting is taking those things that would otherwise be commodified and controlled and sharing them for free. She continues, looting demonstrates that without police and without state oppression, we can have things for free. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, just whatever you want. NPR is a taxpayer-funded organization, by the way. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Contempt. This is this is important here, where she says taking those things that would otherwise be commodified and controlled. What she's what she is trying to say is uh, capitalism is a bad thing. Yeah, you know these things are commodified. They're sold. People make massive profits off of them, and that's just not right. We might we need to share them for free because everyone deserves a pair of Nikes. Exactly. 
that's and and <laughs> this is a dumb bleep week i'm serious and they would <laughs> those things would so just far. exist if it weren't i mean if yeah. it weren't for the evil store having them those things would just exist anyway yeah so you, in fact you wouldn't have to go to the store to get them you would just find them you know you walk out your front door in the morning they would just be on your porch you would just have them you wouldn't have to worry about all these these evil evil people trying to make money off of those things yeah so sorry i'm messing with some technical difficulties here real quick okay so i was trying to get our voices a little bit evened up for the video since i can't get your volume to go up any further oh man oh okay contempt struggles contempt for looting meanwhile is driven by anti-blackness and contempt for poor people who want to live a better life osterweil claims this oh wow before going any further it's worth pointing out the glaring holes in these arguments so far for one Osterweil's definition of looting is inconsistent she defines looting as not any situation in which property is stolen by force but then she also says it is the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a moment of upheaval or riot. By definition, the mass expropriation of property during a riot is stealing property by force. <laughs> so already, just starting off, right there. When a, mob, when a mob tears through a mall, shatters windows, fills their pockets, and lights the place on fire... They are using force to take what they want in violation of others' rights. This is obviously done with force. This should not be that hard to understand, but sometimes, sometimes things, you know, are just tough to get to wrap your brain around, I guess. Well, you know, Nate, it's 2020 and we can just decide how we feel about things and it doesn't matter. Logic. Yeah. Logic. doesn't have to be consistent. As long as I feel like this thing is okay, then it's fine. And no one can tell me otherwise. I should have never suggested that logic had to be consistent. I, I, I just right. didn't think that that would be so after all how what greedy how greedy and and you know uncompassionate you are <laughs> sam says they're crimes of passion <laughs> <laughs> after all what happens if people do not allow the mob to take their property they end up like david dorn a former police officer who was shot and killed by rioters while trying to protect a pawn shop from looting or they end up like one elderly business owner who was caught on camera trying to protect his store and beaten to a pulp by rioters for his troubles if looting wasn't done by force, people would simply tell the mob, sorry, you can't do that. It's the threat of force and use of violence that allows the mob to proceed anyway. So what she means is people should stop trying to stop them. And if you try to stop them, then it's actually you who's using force, by the way. And that right. is the logic that people like this end up thinking with. That it's the same thing you see like... People, we showed the video of the people that were blocking off the gas station or the people who block off roads and you, you trap someone in their car sitting on a stoplight and they can't move. And then if you try to move your car, they say that you are exerting force on them and that you started it. It's, it's, it's a, it's an entitlement mindset that it is difficult to imagine even exists because you've decided that you are the only person who has any rights and other people do not have rights and whatever you say goes and you get to take those rights from other people. And if they try to have the same rights as you, then they're actually exerting force over you. That's actually where their mind somehow takes a trip all the way around and that's where it ends up going. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I got lost in there. It's, I know. I was that, trying to figure out which way was up or, or down and I uh, somehow I went left. That's how crazy it and is, then, man. And uh, yep. 
If fell in, a, fell in a pothole. Moreover, despite Osherweil's protestations, looting in no way demonstrates that we can have things for free. Everything that is taken through looting imposes costs onto others. The stolen property by no means comes free. Shop owners pay for it and their lost livelihoods, untold hours spent repairing their businesses, and in many cases, the destruction of their dreams when their stores are never able to reopen. Meanwhile, the community bears costs in the form of higher insurance rates, reduced economic opportunity, and the destruction of grocery stores, pharmacies, and other institutions they rely on. As far as the opposition to looting being driven by anti-blackness, this is a false smear. In fact, rioters are destroying many minority-owned businesses, and many of the most prominent voices to speak out against the destruction are African Americans themselves, such as the parents of Jacob Blake, the man whose shooting by police prompted the, la the latest rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. If Jacob, this is a quote, if Jacob knew what was going on as far as that goes, the violence and destruction, he would be very unpleased, his mother said. Please don't burn up property and cause havoc and tear your own homes down in my son's name. You shouldn't do it. So that's from Jacob Blake's mother. Not that what she thinks matters. Yeah. Really. What's whatsoever. Yet Osterweil's real about as close to the horse's mouth as you can get. That's a that's pretty close. It and the thing is it it doesn't matter because this doesn't have anything to do with Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake is an excuse. That's that's yeah. all he is. Yet Osterweil's real ideological message, which NPR is uncritically promoting through its massive taxpayer-backed platform, is the Marxist argument that property destruction is nonviolent because property rights are invalid. Boom. And that is it right there. There is no belief in property rights. Therefore, looting is not destroying anyone else's property because it wasn't your property to begin with. It belonged to the collective. That's, that's actually what it was. And, and owning property is is just a, you know, a sign of um, oppression. Privilege. Yeah, privilege and oppression. In terms of potential crimes that people can commit against the state, it's basically nonviolent. Osterweil offers in the interview, it's just property. It's not actually hurting any people. But why should we consider property destruction violence? For one. The widespread destruction of property inevitably involves endangering human life. Because of the inevitable tendency of force to escalate into more force, it's impossible to loot or riot without endangering people. Consider the fact that at minimum, 15 people were killed during the initial months of rioting after George Floyd's death, and that more have died in the unrest since. Or just remember how Minneapolis police discover a tor discovered a torched corpse in a burned-down pawn shop days after arsonists and rioters had come through that neighborhood. Osterweil might have believed these looters were just destroying property. In reality, they allegedly murdered someone. But even when looting entails no direct physical harm to any person, it is still violence. Why? Well, an attack on someone's livelihood is still an attack on their life. A small business owner relies on their property to pay for food on their family's table, to pay for their child's health care, to put a roof over their head. This is why famed economists and political theorists Murray Rothbard insists that property rights are human rights. And this is a quote from Murray Rothbard. Much is heard these days of the distinction between human rights and property rights, and many who claim to champion the one turn with, the one turn with scorn upon any defender of the other. They fail to see that property rights, far from being in conflict, are in fact the most basic of all human rights. The human right of every man to his own life implies the right to find and transform re resources, to produce that which sustains and advances life. 
That product is a man's property. That is why property rights are foremost among human rights and why any loss of one endangers the other. No matter how much propaganda state-run media publishes or how desperately leftist authors attempt to argue otherwise, the truth is clear. When rioters destroy livelihoods in a fit of political rage, it is violent, destructive, and wrong. There you go. From Fee.org. Pretty good article, man. That's really good stuff. I like that a lot. And, that, you know, when I pointed out what she had said earlier, um, that's that was the crux of the argument right there was that uh, where was it here? Um, taking those things that would otherwise be commodified and controlled and sharing them for free. That's the underlying Marxist argument. And it's just amazing to me that NPR as a tax funded supposedly unbiased news organization um, gets to publish things like that. Just, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty disgusting really. And, and people, you know, they, they went into talking about how you destroy people's livelihoods, mainly talking about business owners. You're also not thinking about the people who use the time out of their lives to make those products and to transport those products and the resources that were used to make those products and what those resources also could have been used for instead if they wouldn't have been stolen. And the problem is it's tough to argue with people on this because uh, I'll go back to this last paragraph here. It says, but even when looting entails no direct physical harm to any person, it is still violence. Why? An attack on someone's livelihood is still an attack on their life. A small business owner relies on their property to pay for food on their family's table, to pay for their child's health care, to put a roof over their head. So this is why also, inside of the Marxist argument, all of those things should also be provided for free. So when you make that argument that the, the taking of the property is wrong because then people can't have a livelihood, well, inside of that, they also believe that you should have all of those things provided to you as well. So they try to destroy that argument that you're taking away someone's livelihood by saying, well, those people shouldn't have to worry about paying for all of those things. It's because of our terrible system that these people have to worry about paying for all of those things. In mm -hmm. our perfect Marxist system, you would just have all of those things. And, and it, would just be, it would just be perfect. And no one would ever have to worry about anything. It would just be there. It would just be there. Wouldn't be that be wonderful? And it's so nice to... It must feel so nice to hold an idea that you shouldn't have to receive you shouldn't have to work to receive things, but everyone else should have to work to provide those things to you. And I can't imagine anyone trying to run that ideology all the way down to its logical conclusion that if everyone is like you and everyone has the right to not have to work to survive, then why would anyone produce anything? And then how would you have any of those things? It, if you, like Elon Musk said, if you don't make the stuff, there is no stuff. That's in true Elon Musk fashion. That's what yeah. he said. That dog don't float. That's what he said. Basically, ma'am. So yeah. I also found Charlie, you can go through this Kentucky authorities thing. I wanted to talk a little bit of criminal justice stuff and, and, um, kind of a random conversation because I, this is random, but I hate the idea of plea bargains and plea deals and stuff like that. But this has to do with the Breonna Taylor case. 
And apparently, the Kentucky police have been offering leniency to Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, if he would implicate her in the drug crimes. Yeah, this is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. So go what, go it, on. Is it her ex-boyfriend if she passed away and they were still together? I don't know how that works. Um, A widow ex? A widow a widower ex? Yeah, I'm not sure how hmm. that works out. Were they? Was it her boyfriend at the time, and now they call it ex because she's... I think so. Is that... Okay, or were they exes at the, at the time? I don't know. Well, regardless. Yes. This is the way it's written. I'll just read it how it comes. Coming from Reason. Kentucky authorities offered leniency to Brianna, to Brianna Taylor's ex if he would implicate her in drug crimes. So first of all, they're doing this for a couple reasons. One... They probably, I don't even know if they can win the case against her boyfriend, number one. So then they at least get him to plead to something. And number two, they're trying to make Brianna Taylor look bad so that the their police officers uh, don't get convicted of doing something completely wrong or the, the department or whatever so that they can save money and not have to, you know, pay for the crime that they committed. This is absolutely disgusting and it's, God, could you imagine be a prosecutor for the for the government? I would have to quit. I'd be yeah. like, nope, nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I've had a hard time imagining how anyone is a lawyer most of the time when I talk about cases. Yeah. I couldn't imagine being a prosecutor unless I just had just the world's great, unless I witnessed the crime myself. I don't think I could be a prosecutor. And right. a defense attorney, I mean, you know how many of those defense attorneys know for sure that that guy killed his wife. Yeah, I mean, they know. And they're still trying to keep them from going to prison, and yeah. which is their job. I get it. But to give them the best defense possible. I can't imagine being able to be a lawyer on either side, honestly. Right. All right. Here we go. They're trying to, quote, paint a picture of her, which was vastly different than the woman she truly was, says lawyer, uh, Breonna Taylor's family's lawyer. Kentucky authorities defense for f- fatally shooting Breonna Taylor in a late night raid for non-existent drugs and drug money has always turned on the idea that Taylor, a 26-year-old emergency room technician who lived with her sister, was part of her ex-boyfriend's alleged drug scheme. Now, new documents show how far they are willing to go to manufacture evidence for this narrative. God, the government just it's sucks. Di- it's disgusting. How do you not see this stuff, yeah. people? Just to save their own just to save their own face. Yep. Which is also their ass. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, on Tuesday, we were told Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover, was offered a plea deal, which would have required him to say that Taylor was part of his drug operation. Vice News correspondent Roberto Aram Ferdman noted yesterday, adding that the family's attorney, quote, the family's attorney shared a picture of a plea deal that appears to show it is true. To accept the deal, Glover would have to sign a statement saying that Taylor was among several others who helped him in an organized crime syndicate as he trafficked large amounts of crack cocaine, methamphetamine, and opiates in the Louisville area and sold it from abandoned or vacant vacant homes. If he agreed, the Jefferson County Office of the Commonwealth's attorney was willing to shrink his possible 10-year prison sentence sentence to only probation. Get That is insane. From it, all he has to do is say that this girl who died was involved in his operation and they would switch his sentence from 10 years in prison to only probation. Well, that's the way they're spinning it. They're like, if you don't sign this, you're going to get 10 years. But if you sign this, hey, man, it's only probation. You get to go free. Good Lord. You don't want to go to jail. 
Um, how do you not sign something like that? I don't know. I mean, that's obviously like I couldn't do it to stand on principle. Be like, well, if I go to jail, I go to jail, but I'm not signing that. Yeah. That's for damn sure. It's crazy, man. It's, it's totally disgusting. And it tells you they know that they did something wrong and they're trying to cover their tracks right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Even if Taylor had been part of the supposed crime syndicate, it wouldn't justify what police did here. Of course, they were still trigger happy goons who did a middle of the night raid without announcing themselves clearly as part of an unwinnable but endlessly violent, discriminatory and abusive war on drugs that makes everyone less safe and routinely leads to avoidable tragedies like these. Yeah, this isn't the first one that's ended this way, by the way. There's been several. I mean, I remember reading about this old couple, like 70 something year old man who was killed by police as well during the the wrong address on a no-knock raid. But their actions are all the more appealing when you consider the weakness of their evidence that anything illegal was at Taylor's house. In fact, they raided the home and killed Taylor as she had been uh, disentangling herself from Glover, trying to move on from their relationship and whatever tangential uh, involvement in his activities it may have brought. But police and county authorities wouldn't let her. They were insistent on casting the net as wide as possible and taking Taylor down with Glover at any cost, apparently. And now that Taylor can't defend herself, they're trying to manipulate the legal system to get Glover to go along with it. The attempt shows, quote, the links to which those within the police department and Commonwealth's attorney went to went to after Brianna Taylor's killing to try and paint a picture of her, which was vastly different than the woman she truly was. Glover didn't ultimately take the deal offered to him in July and rejects the idea that he is somehow responsible for Taylor's death. Quote, the police are trying to make it out to be my fault and turning the whole community out here, making it look like I brought this to Brianna's door. He told the courier journal journal quote, there was nothing, there was nothing never there or anything ever there. And at the end of the day, they went about it the wrong way and lied on that search warrant and shot that girl out there. He said, Kenosha, Oh, that's, yeah, that's something something else. So yeah, again, truly and absolutely disgusting. It reminds me of all kinds of things that, you know, Kamala Harris and the government and their actors do all the time uh, for this type of thing. And it's just, there's no, there's no excuse. It's, you know, somebody that actually can't defend themselves and they're going to go and try to, to pin something on it all to just make themselves look better and how they didn't make any mistake when they actually made a massive mistake that they should pay for. What do you think about the idea of, I was going to use this to talk about a little bit broader conversation, which is plea deals in, in themselves. I, after watching every single episode of every single true crime show that exists on TV, I can tell you one thing, which is that I've grown to not like plea deals, plea bargains whatsoever. Um, I, I think that they are used on a constant basis to charge and convict people with crimes that one, they otherwise would not have been able to convict them for. They will often go for a higher level crime to get someone to plea down. They will do things like this, where they offer plea deals to implicate uh, sometimes completely innocent people. And I, I, I have a lot of problems with it on the defendant side. I feel like you should be obviously free to take whatever the deal, whatever deal the government is going to offer you. 
But I've never really liked the idea of the government doing this because to me it offers an incentive for them to constantly go for higher level crimes and get people to plead down. Right. And what I would like to see is for people to be charged with the crimes that the government has evidence that they committed and then that go to court. And that is what I would like to see. To me, this constant, oh, we can get you on this right here. You're going to get convicted or you're going to get the death penalty. Or if you plead guilty, then you'll just get life in prison. And you you hear that kind of thing all the time. Or we can put you in prison for 10 years for this drug crime syndicate. But if you just say that your ex-girlfriend was involved, then we'll give you probation. And I don't like that. I think that makes, I think it makes the, the, the law unequal for a lot of people because maybe you don't have the, the other people involved that you could have gotten yourself a better, you know what I'm, what I'm saying? Like if there's a crime and there's a punishment for a crime, then the government should find evidence that you committed that crime. They should present the evidence. They should get a conviction beyond the reasonable doubt. And anyone who commits that crime and is found guilty committing the crime should get the time that is associated with that crime. And I've never liked the variations on the same crimes all over the place because to me it says that the property or the lives of other people mean less in different places around the country, which is really weird to me. And it means less to the government that is trying to uh, protect your life, liberty, and property. And that if they can get a, a sweet deal, then your life means less to them or the destructive property means less to them or, or whatever it is. To me, the whole idea of plea deals is just a negotiating tactic that is available for a tyrannical government. That and they, I think like 95% of convictions happen with a plea deal. Yeah. You know, and it's a way to try to, to, to get people, it's a way to get the win. And that's actually what they care about. They care about winning. They care about their record. They actually don't care about justice. Like it's not a, it's not a ploy and deep inside their hearts that their incentive is for justice. Now for some probably, but for the most, like you get promoted and you get offered partnerships and different private lawyer things and all that you get offered the most money and, and raises and all kinds of stuff on the incentive of your winning record as an attorney. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with actual justice whatsoever. It's can I figure out a way to beat my opponent and my opponent, even though they did nothing wrong, uh, I'm going to try any way I can to smear them and make sure that my people don't get in trouble because that's my job. My job is to make sure my team doesn't get in trouble. It's just absolutely insane. And for Sam, I know you were replying to Wes in the live group, but I'll define crime. He said define crime. In my, in my opinion, and I haven't found any way around this yet, Charlie, you can fix it for me. Crime is the uh, removal of rights of another person, of, a, of an innocent party, when they have not acted upon you with any aggression whatsoever. And so removing the rights and liberties of another person who has not first done that to you. Um, or to anyone else. So that that is how I would define crime. I agree. Um, Charlie, did you hear the latest um, amazing Joe Biden gaffe? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's, it's so good. I'm going to bring this up real quick for everyone in the group. So you're going to see my 
This my was computer. as a rally he did just recently, right? Yeah, they're going to see my computer screen here real quick. But, oh, man, it is just, it's difficult, so difficult. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives, it's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. More lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. <laughs> I gotta go again. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives, it's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. <laughs> More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. <laughs> what is he saying? <laughs> what is he talking uh, about? <laughs> somebody is saying there that he's has a, he has a stutter problem and he's had it his whole life. I don't think so. That's not a stutter problem. No. A stutter problem is, is having a problem getting words out, not completely not understanding the sentence you're supposed to be saying. Those are, yeah. that is a, that is a dementia problem. Right. That's what that is. And he, you know, look, if he had had this throughout his entire political career, one could argue like maybe he does have a condition, but look, go back and watch other videos that, I mean, the man has not, uh, wasn't not like that beforehand. There's something wrong in the last year or two with this, with this guy. And, uh, you know, if he, wasn't for such terrible policies i'd feel bad for him but <laughs> it's, i mean i still feel bad you know as a you know he's probably a dad and a grandpa and stuff like you know feel bad for him but at the same time it's like bro hang it up you yeah know? um i can't I, believe that they picked him i continue to hold true to the speculation that he's actually been dead for quite some time <laughs> and that there are actually just some people moving him around with strings around. Maybe he's a marionette, or maybe there's a little, there's small little uh, people inside of him working his body with controls. I'm not really sure what's happening, but <laughs> he's not there anymore. Okay, no. he's just not there. He's not. And so to finish up with a with a Biden thing, because every day is dumb bleep of the week. This is dumb bleep of the day right now. I wanted to figure out, and Charlie, I just put this quote, or I just put this tweet in our show notes. Here's a tweet from Joe Biden, which, listen, dude's not composing his tweets because the words said in in succession make sense. So you know that he's not composing his tweets. Well, that clearly somebody else. They don't make sense, but they do form coherent sentences. So this is what Joe Biden said. He said, more cops have died from COVID this year than have been killed on patrol. Nearly one in six small businesses in this country are closed. Do you really feel safer under Trump? Now, Charlie, <laughs> what point is he trying to make by saying that more cops have died from COVID this year than have been killed while they were on patrol? Oh, well, what he's saying there is that... Um well, I think he's saying a couple things. First of all, he's making the case that COVID is somehow Trump's fault. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing he's saying is Trump actually doesn't care about cops like you think he does. He he he's allowed cops to die from COVID um, rather than rather than on patrol. Yeah. What do you have something else to add to that? I'm, I'm guessing. 
Yeah, that's um, that's actually a way that I didn't think about it. The other way I was thinking about it was on the argument when concerning the riots and the looting and the cops are being killed and, and things like that. I took it initially as he's saying, well, the biggest danger of the cops are not the BLM and Antifa rioters. The biggest uh-huh. danger of the cops is COVID. And, you know, what you said is probably closer to accurate, I would say. I think I was a little I was a little more ingrained in the writing and looting when I when I read that. I took into I took into consideration his last statement. Do you really feel safer under Trump? So, you know, he lays out these these two propositions um, and then he goes that, you know, considering these two things, um, this all happened under Trump. And you're telling do you actually feel safer under him? Yeah, no, I think that that's a pretty good. I, I do think that you're right about that. The the other one is the continued gaslighting and just oh this like it's it's like a rewriting of history and you always get a rewriting of history that that kind of has always happened. But normally it's like twenty thirty years after the fact. It's very rarely two or three months afterwards or like yeah. a week afterwards or a day. Or on the next tweet. Like, it's very rarely that fast. And saying nearly one in six small businesses in this country are closed. When you're the one who's been fighting for shutting down the economy. And Trump is the one who's been fighting for keeping the economy open. And somehow saying that you can lay the blame of all the businesses going out of business on Trump's feet. Now, listen, we're no huge Trump fans here, okay? I said yesterday on the podcast, I do hope he wins. Well, I hope Joe Jorgensen wins. I hope Joe Jorgensen wins. But out of the two candidates that are likely to win, I do. I hope Trump gets it over Biden because I don't want Kamala Harris to be the president. And she'll be the president next year if Biden wins. Either he'll die of old age or she'll kill him. Okay? (laughs) Those are the two options and those are the only two options. He'll be seen as unfit to... Be president. 25th Amendment coming up. Yeah. So, which by the way, Trump stroke is trending on Twitter right now because it is being widely spread around, spread around that Trump had a series of mini strokes and he had to visit Walter Reed Medical Center for a cerebral event and that he must have had a stroke or a series mm-hmm. of mini strokes. And it happens to be trending at the time that this miraculously amazing Joe Biden video that we just played was surface trying to make its rounds on Twitter. So it's, it's weird that that news comes out at the same time that Biden uh, had another mini stroke on stage. So (laughs) I just think that this is really weird. And he keeps continuing with tweets like this. Like, do you feel safe under Trump? The violence is going to keep going if Trump wins election. And there's really an ultimatum being put out right now by everyone who's on the left, which is that give us what we want or we're going to burn your shit. Yeah. And that's the ultimatum. And it's, it's give us what we want or there's a good chance you're going to die. And we're going to blame it on Trump while we are setting fire to your house. (laughs) And that, that seems to be the ultimatum that's going on out there. I, I will I will admit I have had a lot of emotions about the riots and the crazy, crazy Marxist movement that's going on where, like I said yesterday, I hope Trump wins and we get four more years to to build up our 
to build up our wealth and our income to the point that we can withstand the massive Marxist government that we're going to have within the next 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's already it's already bad enough, but this this is inevitable at the, at this time, in my opinion, which is why right. we do the podcast because we believe it's inevitable. You, right. And we want to stop what it. Well, and what you're seeing going on around the world right now, I mean, well, in the United States, let's say, it is very much this identity politics game. And uh, at least that's the loud voices. I still think most Americans are pretty sane. Um, but when you have people that don't treat other people like human beings, and uh, if you are, if you say anything contrary to their beliefs, I mean, they just come out in full attack mode as if you're like you're sent from Satan himself to, to destroy them somehow because you don't believe what they believe. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it, it still makes me want to go out and make sure that I can defend myself, which means I need to get the scuba diving gear out and go down to the bottom of the lake and, and go fishing. If you know what I yeah. mean, there's my, yeah. my secret code for everyone. Everyone gets your scuba gear. Yep. It's, get your tanks. We're going to get town. Oxygen tanks. Wes said, would it be a good Biden campaign move to come out and say it's not a stroke? Biden is just the sling blade of the Democratic Party. I don't know if you remember that movie, <laughs> Sling Blade, with Billy Bob Thornton, but I just, uh, man, that's a that's an oldie but a goodie. I don't, that had to come out in like the 90s or something like that. I remember that movie, but I, I only watched parts of it. Um, it was not pr- like Braveheart. <laughs> It was pretty slow. It was a pretty slow movie, and it just involved Billy Bob Thornton. We're like, mm. yeah, ain't got no gas in it, mm. <laughs> and that's pretty much what uh, pretty much what he was doing the whole time. So, anyway, guys, Charlie, I reckon you got to go, huh? Yeah, I do. Okay, I got to get to going. Charlie, tell me Take how uh, tell me how your Apple trade's going right now. That's going good. Um, up another um, five hundred bucks on it today, so that's nice. Um, still holding strong. Haven't sold any, anything else yet. Um, lots of, it's lots of news out on it today, which is hilarious. You have some head hedge fund managers that are saying that this is nothing short of stupid. Then you have other hedge funds, uh, several hedge funds that have raised their price target to between 140 and $150 a share. JP Morgan raised uh, theirs up to 150. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have uh, Apple and Google that they incorporated the new COVID-19 exposure notification, which, by the way, is true. So if you go to your settings on your iPhone, um, there's a uh, under privacy, there's a COVID-19 tracker on there. So you have to activate it. But who knows? <laughs> Probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to continue to hold this probably pretty long term. Um, I'm looking at a. Um, a four-hour chart on this Apple play. Um, I already took some profit on Apple. I took my Tesla profit to, today. Tesla, unfortunately, gapped up like, I don't know. I, I think I had, what did I have? I had about $58 a share um, this morning. And then they announced at 6 o'clock this morning that they were going to be doing a $5 billion offering uh, at the market price. And so as soon as it opened, it, it tanked. And so I was in at uh, $480 and I sold the rest of my shares at 490. So I still got $10 a share. However, it wasn't the 
$58 a share that I did have. So that was, you know, frustrating. Um, but in this, uh, in this account, I, I can't trade the pre-market, uh, only when the market is open. Yeah. But even, even if you take the extended hours off the, you know, the, the technical analysis was to sell. So I'm going to look for a, a turnaround on Tesla potentially. Um, there's a lot of people that still think it's way, way too overvalued. Um, and then when they're the, you know, the whole reason they've been profitable for the last four quarters was the credit for the electric vehicles for the non-emission vehicles that they were selling to other manufacturers that were not meeting the threshold. Um, once that goes away, people don't think they're going to be profitable, but I disagree. I mean, I think the battery technology coming out, you know, Thomas Massey was talking about how battery technology is the future and eventually that, that's, what's going to take over. I really think that Tesla is still ahead of the game in their, in their batteries. Um, and I, I read something about the potential uh, million mile battery that Tesla is working on. It's like what your car would never <clears throat> quit for a million miles. That's <clears throat> insane. Absolutely insane. Well, I was really just asking you to do an advertisement for the stock trading class, but That's if it. you guys if are want to learn all that information, <laughs> I mean, we talk about all that stuff all the time. Okay. If you guys are interested in learning how to day trade, go to mastermystonks.com. We go live every single morning at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, and we continue trading or we continue live throughout the day as long as we are trading. The, uh, the markets, oh, it's had its ups and downs. But uh, there's always there's always good opportunities to find, uh, except for yesterday. You know, I actually didn't trade at all yesterday because it just looked terrible as far as all of the low float quick movers were going. They all just looked awful. Yeah. But uh, today Kodak was moving again, and uh, and that was a really good one. So if you guys are interested, go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com. Check it out. Get signed up for the Patreon group. Get inside of here. And, um, yeah, like Jeff and Sam and Wes and Cheryl and Magoo, Todd, all these great people inside the library. Maurice, inside. Paul. Yeah, Maurice, Paul. I, I'm sorry I don't mention everyone's name. I'm just trying to give a sample. All right. But Todd? if you want me to mention your name, sign up. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Good Morning Liberty. For as little as five bucks a month, you can be part of the in crowd. And, uh, you know. It's, it's a good place to be. You want to be part of that 96%. And you also want to get inside of the Patreon group at patreon.com slash good morning liberty. Continue to share the show. Once again, the numbers just continue to climb. And we thank you all for that. It's been absolutely amazing so far this year. And we want to continue that growth. So please continue to share the show with a friend and then leave us a rating and review. If you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good Morning, Liberty. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's when I mean, you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. <laughs>